You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled Revealing the Father, part nine of nine. Enjoy. We're seeing church in a whole different way now. Okay, and and we're seeing it in a whole different light. We don't want to think of church like we used to think of church. Right? We are the church, right? We're, we're, we're the body of Christ. This place we're meeting in is not a church. It's a karate studio, right? But when we gather, it becomes a church. The same would happen if we went to uh, Pub 99. Is that what it's called? Pub 99? Or Applebee's if we went there, right? It would become a church. We could have church anywhere. So we want to see church differently. Church is the people who have the revelation of Christ inside of them, okay? So I want to ask you to step away from your past church experiences. I'm sure some of them were good, and and maybe some of them were not so good. And and I might be be, being kind by saying that. Some of them might have been very dark. Some some of your church experiences might have been very painful and confusing. But by hearing the word of God and hearing what the Lord is saying to us, Jen Tringale, if we can go back to page one, uh, came and it was a significant day for this body. And I want to encourage you to keep listening to June 10th's message. Then she gave a prophetic word uh, on that same day. We, We split it up into two separate podcasts. You can listen to those. But also to listen to last week's message and the week before in this series. Grab a hold of this series so that we can go forward together. God wants us to see ourselves differently. He wants to see his body differently. God wants to bring God wants to bring you into a new reality. That can be frightening if you don't realize how good he is or if you're clinging to your past. See, church is a place that sh- that was designed by God to help him become more real to you. We come here so that he can become more real to us. That's why we come. So that we can grow in the reality of who he is, what he's done for us, and who we are in him. When Jesus came into the earth, he brought a new reality into the planet since the fall of Adam. After Adam fell, God could no longer live inside of man. Jesus came into the earth as a human being with God living inside of him. It was a new reality. It's this God living inside of me reality. And when you're listening to the messages like you hear at Highway Church, like you hear here at Highway Church, it will lead you into a new reality. We can't get where God wants us to go thinking like we used to think. We can't get where God wants us to go holding on to unforgiveness to the people who've hurt us in the past. We let it all go. It's a new day we're here now. We can't go back. We have to go forward. Put John 14, 6 up there. This is Jesus bringing this new reality into the earth. And he said something. He said, I am the way, the truth. Another 
word for truth is reality. Jesus said, I am the reality. I am the reality that you've been looking for. There are different levels of reality or different kinds of reality. There's the reality that your five senses can detect. But the problem with that reality is that is constantly changing. What your senses detect today can be different in a few hours from now. The reality Christ wants you to walk in is the reality of the spirit realm. This shouldn't be foreign to us. This shouldn't sound like a sci-fi episode or a sci-fi movie, but much of the body of Christ is afraid of the spirit realm because Satan has tried to back them into a corner and and get them to operate naturally. We're not going to do that here. Jesus said it this way in the Moffat translation. Jesus said, I am the real. Anything other than me is fake. I don't like fake. I don't. And what's, what's, what's one of the things I, I, I hate about fake is when you think it's real and you find out it's not too late. And it's already had an effect on your life. I want the real now. I don't want to wake up tomorrow and find out what I thought was real was fake. Jesus came into the earth and said, I am the real. I'm the reality that you've been looking for. Anything other than me is fake. Then he went on to say in Matthew chapter 6.33 in the message, he said, steep your life in the real. Steep your life, soak yourself in, immerse yourself in, saturate yourself with God reality. That's a message translation. Completely cover yourself with, fill yourself with, soak in daily the reality of who I am can be easy to get off of that, right? There's a lot of things going on in the world. And if you'll allow the enemy, he will fill your life with so many distractions that you can't soak in the reality of God because you've allowed your mind to get so focused on the fake stuff that getting into the real is going to take a shift for you. It's time to do that. Anything that can change is not real. God real. It's natural real, but it's not God real. We need to build our lives on the God real. All right? So anything you can detect with your five senses is in the natural realm. It's a natural reality. The God realm, you cannot detect with your five senses. I need you to stay awake and come all the way with me today, okay? I'm not sure how this is going to come out, but 
I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to make it good. We want to walk in the Jesus reality of life. But all of us have been used to the natural realm of life, right? I grew up, I didn't even know there was another realm other than what you might see in a, the movies or on TV. We want to walk in the Jesus realm. He is the realm we live in. The only way to do that is by faith. Faith in who he is, in what he's done for us, and who we are in him. So the New Testament church, this church was founded four years ago to provide a place for people to come and be established in the real, in God reality. You can't get this in the world. God designed the New Testament church to be a place, a house, people can come into and be established in the reality of who he is. There's nothing like the New Testament church. And again, you got to just put all your experiences behind you now. I'm not talking about the, the, the negative stuff. I'm talking about God's design for the New Testament church. The only book still being written in the Bible is the book of Acts. That's what I'm talking about. That's, that's, our, that's our model here, okay? God designed this body of believers, the body of Christ in the earth, to come together regularly and assemble, to hold corporate meetings so that people can come in and be established in God reality. How? Through the preaching of his word and the ministry of his spirit. Let's look at this. This is so important. 2 Corinthians 4. So we're seeing church very differently now. If you're coming here to try and improve your chances to get to heaven, forget it. If you're coming here to try and get on good God's side, forget it. He already loves you. Right? Your salvation is secure if you put your faith in Christ. We're coming here to grow in the reality of who he is. This is God's purpose for the New Testament church. 2 Corinthians 4.18. This is in the Amplified. It says, since we consider... And look not to the things that are fake, right, that can be detected with the five senses that are changeable, that are naturally real. You following me? The things that are seen, but to the things that are God real, that are Jesus real, that are in the spirit realm. For the things that are visible that we can detect with our five senses are temporal, they're brief. They're fleeting. Can you imagine building your home on a temporary foundation? I wouldn't buy it. I wouldn't move into it because it's not going to last. But the things that are invisible are deathless. Yeah. I like that word. Yeah. I think it's my new favorite word. <laughs> deathless. It's a great adjective for Jesus. He's deathless. There isn't an ounce of death in him. God is deathless. He has pure life for you all the time. Death is his enemy. 
The things that are invisible, the things that are Jesus real, are deathless and everlasting. God wants you to live in the deathless realm. The New Testament church that God designed and brought into the earth and we see in the book of Acts was meant to be a place where people can come and learn to be deathless. Are you doing okay? It's time to walk in the deathless reality of Jesus. So we saw in the last message or so in this series that Jesus invaded Satan's kingdom. That's how he said it in Matthew chapter 12, verses 29, 24 through 29. And he, he talked about the earth being Satan's kingdom or Satan's strong house, the strong man's house. But the church, Jesus said in Luke chapter 2, 49, is the father's house. So the father's house is you and me. And we're meeting in the midst of Satan's house. In the earth. We are a safe haven for people to come out of the enemy's realm into the deathless realm of abundant life. That's why we're here. But it's going to take each one of us growing in the reality of Christ, listening to the word. Okay? Because we want to get there. God invaded Satan's territory by starting the New Testament church. And please hear me. I'm not, I, I, I know there are some, some challenges with the New Testament church in the earth. I know it. But I'm talking about what God purposed and designed. And, and many churches have gone way far from that. Way far They've created their own doctrines, their own systems, their own traditions, and they wouldn't recognize Jesus if he was on the stage in the pulpit. Okay? I'm not talking about those things. We want to we look at the book of Acts. We want to see things from God's perspective. So God invaded Satan's territory. He didn't come down from heaven in all of his glory, he asked his son to empty himself of his glory and to be formed in the womb of a virgin and come into the earth as a baby that no one could recognize. Why did God go through all of this? He had a secret plan. Who was it to be a secret to? Satan. Satan did not understand God's plan for you and me. Satan did not know what the Father's plan was for Jesus. He didn't know it. I, I, as I was just preparing this week, I was having a blast. Yeah. And I hope it all comes out because it's just so good. I started thinking how mad Satan must have got at Jesus. I mean, he had been hearing the prophecies since the fall. And then he knew the time was coming. The wise men were traveling. The star was leading them. All the prophecies were coming together. Where was this baby? Where was he going to be born? He couldn't find him. That's the reason they couldn't stay in the hotel, so Satan couldn't go on Expedia and track down Jesus. He had to be off the grid, in the manger. He wasn't on any website. 
Satan didn't know. He couldn't find him. So he tried to kill all boys two and under in the place where Jesus was born. But he missed him. He tried over and over and over again to kill Jesus. And then Jesus, he missed every time. Jesus starts his ministry. He declares who he was and who he, what his mission. And they try and take him out of the temple and throw him over the hill. Multiple times, Satan tried to kill him. He must have thought, this, this guy is messing up my whole plan. He's setting people free. He's healing people that I have bound for generations. He's healing people that, that I've crippled. He's removing disease that I've injected in people's bodies. He's preaching the good news to poor, and they're not poor anymore. He's changing people's lives. This is what Satan would be saying. This is my territory. I've got to get him off of my turf. I've got to kill him. Right? The earth is Satan's territory. Jesus taught us that very plainly, even though many churches don't understand that. So Satan thought if he could just kill Jesus, if he could get him off this earth, he could keep doing what he wants to do. But Jesus was a time bomb for Satan. Jesus was about, about to blow up his whole plan. But Satan thought he had him. He had him arrested on false charges. He had him whipped and scourged and tortured more than any other man in history. And he had him crucified. And he must have thought, finally, I got this joker off the earth. Right? And then he went into hell, and they must have just been celebrating like never before, thought it's over, the earth is ours. But the time bomb didn't go off when Jesus was born, and it didn't go off during his ministry. It didn't go off on the cross. It went off, didn't go off on day one in the grave, didn't go off on day two. It went off on day three. The time bomb, the time bomb of the reality of God. The real was manifest in hell. And hell can't handle it. And the Holy Spirit raised up Christ brand new and brought him back into the earth. And the New Testament church was born. Let's look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 18. Pinch yourself a couple times just to make sure you're awake. Pinch the person next to you a couple times. Make sure they're awake. Not too hard. Be nice. Jesus was the beginning of the New Testament church. He was the first being to be reborn from the dead. It had never happened before. Guinness Book of World Records, right here. <laughs> he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. All right? Jesus was the firstborn. Romans 8.29, but he was not the lastborn from among the dead. Romans 8.29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus, to the real. He's taken us from fake to real. When you were reborn, you were born out of fake, born into real. 
that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. First Peter describes who we are, chapter uh, 2, verse 9. This is who we are now. This is the reality about you. You are a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood. Does this seem real to you? Or like a fairy tale? God wants this to become real to you. He wants you to have a new identity. You are the truth about you. The reality of you is you're a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people for his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now here's it. Your seatbelts are on, right? Religious goggles are off. Religious earbuds are out. How you doing, Facebook? I'm going to say some things that might step on some religious toes. But it will help you if you'll embrace Jesus. The New Testament church that God designed was not born on Mount Sinai. It came to life on Mount Zion. So many New Testament believers are living an Old Testament life because of the way they think. God establishes church to bring us into the reality of what he's done for us. That's why we're here. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. I am the real, Jesus said. So many believers thinking is Mount Sinai thinking instead of Mount Zion thinking. It's the difference between death and life. It says, for you, it's talking, this is a New Testament epistle, right? Written to the New Testament believers, the New Testament body of Christ. Said, for you have not come to the mountain, talking about Mount Sinai, that may be touched and that burned with fire and to blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words so that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. It was a fearsome sight, Mount Sinai. For they could not endure what was commanded, and if so, that, and if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. 3,000 people died at the giving of the law. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. But you, New Testament church, have come to a different mountain, to Mount Zion, the city of the real living God the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly 
And look at this, church, uh, can we go to that next one? And church of the firstborn. Who's that? The real, right? The church of the, Jesus was the firstborn, but yes, we're the church of it, right? Of him. Who are registered in heaven. I like that. To God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. So the Bible is divided into two sections, right? The old covenant and the new covenant. Where was the new covenant cut? I mean, excuse the old covenant. Where was the old covenant ratified? Anybody tell me? Facebook, can you tell me? Not on Mount Sinai. Mount Moriah with Abraham, right? Hundreds of years. 400 years or so, or I forget how many years, 300 some, three or 400, hundreds of years before Mount Sinai. Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, uh, excuse me, Jesus to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than of Abel, than that of Abel. What are we talking about here? When when I talk about the Old Testament at Highway Church, I want you to know this. God's law is perfect. We are not down on God's law. God's law is righteous. God's law is just. God's law is holy. What we do want to change is this legalistic sin consciousness, this pharisaical understanding of God. There are believers today who know the scriptures inside and out, but do cannot recognize Jesus. You can know the scriptures from front to back and not recognize Jesus. What we're attempting to do is pull people out of the Mount Sinai thinking into the Mount Zion thinking into the New Testament reality of what Christ has done. I encourage you to read Hebrews 10, 11, and 12. Very powerful. But it talks about that Jesus did this, God did this, so that, we would, that every believer would live life with no more consciousness of sin. The church was never meant to be a place that taught people to be sin conscious. That is an ignorant way of thinking. So what people have done, believers have done, churches have done, they're frustrated with the sin they see in the world, so they preach condemnation. They preach the law. I'm not against the law. The law is righteous and just and holy. But the law can't save anybody. If the law could save us, Jesus would not have to come. In fact, Galatians tells us exactly what the law is for. It was given to us as a tutor to lead us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith and walk in his righteousness. We're, we operate by a new law now, not the law of sin and death, but the law of life in Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I want to read to you a, a quote from two different ministers. Stay with me. This is from Leroy Thompson, 
who is a, a man who has the gifting of apostle in him. and He has a church down in Louisiana, uh, Ever Increasing Word, I think is the name of the, the church ministry. And this is a quote um, from Beyond Breakthrough, a book that he wrote. It says, His Church, Your Keys. And this is what he says about the church. And this is so good. This is who you are, who you are meant to be. It says the church should be operating vertically from, from, from the knowledge of the reality of God, right? Vertically, not horizontally, not like the world. Okay. Our power shouldn't come from the traditions, rules, and regulations created by men. It should be operating from the instructions of heaven and then using those instructions to function here on earth. When believers start to yield and walk like Jesus and heaven starts to rule down here, there will be a great difference in how the world responds to the church. We are containers of heaven. We're vessels of heaven. The church is meant to be like a, a heaven mart. You've heard of Kmart and Walmart? We're heaven mart. We've got all of heaven. Come and get it. We're heaven mart. I like that. I never thought of that before. We're heaven mart. Reinhard Bonnke, anyone know who that is? World-renowned evangelist from Germany. He said this in a, in a uh, this is from, I'm not sure if it's a book or an article that he wrote, but it's called Holy Spirit, comma, Are We Flammable or Fireproof? <laughs> he said the Holy Spirit has no substitute. He is the life in the preacher and the power in the sermon. The divine magnet that attracts souls to the church. The Spirit of God is his own advertiser. If we will let him take his place in the church and build it, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We will see growth. Listen closely. He goes on to say, the less Holy Spirit operation we have, the more cake and coffee we need to keep the church going. The less Holy Spirit operation we have, the more cake and coffee we need to keep the church going. Nothing against coffee and cake, but the truth remains that the Holy Spirit has no substitute. His presence and works speak for themselves. Yet he is not welcome in so many churches. Not good. He's welcome here. We don't want to put up one chair without his presence here. The New Testament church is the place God has designed. I really want you to come out of your, your last week, come out of your, your normal routine and your thinking right now. I really need you to come with me, okay? Let's, let's, let's just put all the details aside. We're focusing on Jesus right now. We're coming to a different place in our lives. We're going to walk with Jesus and live for Jesus like never before. You may not have saw this day coming, 
but it's here now. Stay with me. The New Testament church is this organization, this body that God designed to come together publicly and assemble so that people can come in and be established in the reality of who he is and so that people can be transformed and equipped to fulfill their destiny. Okay? How? Through the preaching of his word and the ministry of his spirit. Let's put up Ephesians chapter 4. We're we're, we're getting there. We're getting there. We want to get all this in. We're going to make it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. There's nothing more important to us than our understanding of Christ and his body. Okay? It is to be our focus in life. No matter what position we hold, no matter what industry we're in, Jesus is the focus of of all we do, right? right. Am, I, am I exaggerating here? Am I being extreme? He's called us to follow him with everything we've got, right? Ephesians 4.11. So he's giving us instruction. What are we doing? We're looking at church differently. We want to understand this thing God put in the earth. How does this work? Are we just coming together for a pep talk or, or as a charity or maybe to, you know, bring some positive energy into the community? No. This is a God design to establish us in his reality, to transform us and to equip us. And and what he's installed in the earth are these gifts. God himself, Jesus himself when he ascended, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and some teachers. A lot of the church has just said, well, two of those gifts don't exist anymore, apostles and prophets. How sad. Yeah, they do. <laughs> They're still in the earth. Remember, and I love what Jen Tringale said, these are not people, they're gifts. They're gifts that God deposits in people. Now, just because someone has a gift deposit them doesn't mean you automatically follow them. You've got to look at their character. How do they live their life? What's their marriage like if they're married? How do they deal with their children? How do they behave in everyday life? Because character has to come with the gift, or the gift's going to do damage. It's going to confuse people. I, I just pray you hear what I'm saying. I, we, I'm, I'm just trusting the Holy Spirit to, 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 to get this across. So we look for these gifts in the earth. We look for them. Yes. They're very important to us. These are God's gifts that he's given to the body of Christ to establish us in his reality, to transform us and equip us, okay? Next verse. For the equipping of the saints. There it is. That's what these gifts are for. Not to condemn the saints, not to manipulate the saints, to equip the saints. All right, I've been through the others. That's no fun. Because these are strong gifts, and you can use them to manipulate people. You can, and it's been done. And sometimes it's not intentional, but it happens. And that doesn't feel good. It confuses people. makes people want to stay away from his body. We don't want to do that here. But we do want to understand how this operates. So you understand a gift can be in someone. It's the same thing with with a, 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 a musical gift or an athletic gift. That gift is put in them by God. It doesn't matter how they live. They can be an amazing athlete, but be a total 
uh, uh, immoral, you know, heathen, right? Because that gift's inside of them, but it doesn't, it doesn't cause them to be a moral person. To be a person of integrity requires a daily choice in my life. I've got to say no to some things. And I've got to say yes to the good, yes to the good and no to the bad. Right? So just because someone has a gift and they've hurt you, don't turn yourself away from the gift. Look for someone who has that gift but has the integrity to go with it. Has a good understanding of the character of Jesus. Okay? So I've had these gifts in my life. Some of them were amazing. Some of them were, were troubled people. Not because the gift wasn't real, but because they just made some decisions they shouldn't have made in their lives. And as a result, they did some things to people that they shouldn't have done. And it's confusing when an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher doesn't have the integrity to go with the gift. This is not easy to talk about. I want you to hear what I'm saying. We doing okay? Because what happens, we, we have those experiences and we want to walk away from the body of Christ. We want to stop going to church. And I hear you. I hear you. Okay, but we want to step away from the, what people have done and look at the book of Acts, look at the New Testament, okay, and find out why we're here, what this church is all about, okay? So the word equip, it says equipping the saints, excuse me, for, for the works of the ministry, for the edifying of you. Edifying means to build up, to strengthen, to make strong, to construct a building. So these gifts were given to construct the body of Christ. Okay? Now, you will recognize these gifts in someone because one of the characteristics of these gifts is they have this ability given by God to preach the word in a way that resonates inside of you. Doesn't mean you have to accept it. Again, you want to look at the person's character. But they have this gift, just like uh, Jordan was an amazing basketball player. You recognize the gift, but in the body of Christ, we need the integrity to go with it. Okay? Because this is not a game. It's not a sport. It's not a music uh, album. It's not an entertainment. We need both the gift and we need the character. So you can recognize these gifts when someone who has this gift is preaching the word. That's what the church does. We come together, we gather around the word. It's going to resonate inside of you. It's going to rearrange things inside of you. It's going to unlock things inside of you. It's going to uncover things inside of you. It's going to challenge you to change. It's going to challenge you to come up higher. It's going to challenge you to do things differently. This is how you recognize these gifts. I'm not going to go to that scripture again, but 1 Corinthians 9, 16, and 17, we saw Paul, the apostle Paul said, I don't do this willingly. My whole ministry is against my will. It resonates with me. Same is true of me. I'm not doing this willingly. And I'm telling you that because this is not about me. I have no desire to be standing here right now to spend my time doing what I'm doing. But I discovered as I listened to the ministry gifts from 1989 on 
that there were my known desires, but underneath my known desires were divine desires that God had planted inside of me that could only be unlocked through the gift of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers through the preaching of the Word of God. And the more I listened to the Word of God, this gift, uh, uh, these ministry gifts started to rise to the surface of me. I was like, what is this? I don't want to do that. What? Start a church? What? 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 But the more you go with him, he's going to unlock things inside of you. There's, that there, there is no other way to unlock these things than through the anointed preaching of the Word of God. So you can understand what we're doing here. God put me in your life to unlock some things. To bring you up higher. That I'm not tooting my own horn. I have no desire to be lifted up or exalted or thought of as someone special. I'm just like you. We're talking about gifts and the body of Christ. So I look for these gifts. My wife has them. The, the speakers we bring here have them. Right? I, I see them in our elders. There, some of these are in you. You don't know it yet. And it brings you into this whole new way of living, this whole new reality. Now, we talked about God wanting to, to bring us into this reality, and the only way to get into it is by faith. Let's look at Romans 10, 17. Coming to a church like this will feed your faith. It will make you strong. Why? Second Romans 10, 17. It says faith comes from long hours of prayer. Nope. Faith comes from, you know, performing the sacraments. No. Faith doesn't come from works. It doesn't come from prayer. It doesn't come from good deeds. It doesn't come from, from checking your church attendance sheet. It comes from hearing. So, wow, so hearing now is top priority to us because the only way I'm going to experience the reality of God in my life is if I hear the word concerning Christ. And I want you, if in your Bible, if it says the word of God, go ahead and draw a line through God. Oh, boy, that's really going to get the religious police on me. huh? And write Christ above that. The Greek word there is Christos. There are mistakes in the English translations. Bible wasn't written in English. It was written in Greek, New Testament. It says in hearing the word concerning Christos. All right? Why? God can become a generic term. Lots of people talk about God. But Christ is very specific. Christ defined God perfectly. If you want to know the nature and person of God, you've got to go to Jesus. There's no other place to go. He's it. He's the definition of God. Just look him up in the dictionary. Look God up in the dictionary. You'll see Jesus' picture right there. Now, notice it says, and we, we've been saying this, and we're going to keep saying it. It says, faith comes from hearing, not having heard. This word is a present tense. In other words, if I want to live in the reality of God for my life, I need to be regularly hearing who Christ is, what he's done for me, and who I am in him. 
That's the reality of what we preach here, right? This is my paraphrase of this verse. Put it up there. Faith comes, yeah, faith comes from regularly, consistently hearing the word concerning Christ, who he is, what he's done for us, and who we are now in him. That's my paraphrase. All right? That's where faith comes from. That's what the church was brought into the earth for. I mean, when you're looking uh, for a particular item that you have to get, and you know there's one place that sells the best, it's like, oh, wow, you're kidding me. You want to go there and get it because it's what you're looking for. The church was meant to be the heaven mark. The place when people are looking for heaven, they come here. The healing mart. When people are looking for healing, they come here. The peace of mind mart. The prosperity mart. That when they're looking for the good things of God, they come here. That's what this was meant to be. That's why we started this place. Now, this, the church is God's plan A, and we said before he doesn't have a plan B. So what are we going to do about this? Where do we go from here? God has chosen preaching to bring us into his reality. I'm going to look at this again because we've got to do this. 1 Corinthians 121. 1 Corinthians 121. Since the world in all its fancy wisdom, this is a message translation, never had a clue when it came to knowing God, God in his wisdom took delight in using what the world considered dumb preaching of all things to bring those who trust him into the way of salvation. Okay? What did God choose? Preaching. These are the ministry gifts. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Okay? God chose these things to bring people into the way of salvation. We saw last week that it was more important for the disciples on the road to Emmaus to see Jesus in the scriptures than it was to see him face to face. Many people are looking for the face, the literal physical face of Jesus. They're looking for signs and wonders. But signs and wonders follow those who believe. Those who believe don't follow signs and wonders. Signs and wonders follow those who believe. Why? Because faith sees things that your eyes can't see. Faith knows things your senses can't detect. So these ministry gifts were given to us to so that so that we could see Christ in the Scriptures. It's more important for you to have a solid understanding of who Christ is in your Bible from Genesis to Revelation than it is if he were to come and stand before you now. You may not understand that, but it's true anyway. You can have an experience where you see Jesus, but that is not going to carry you all the way to your destiny. 
Because a, 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 a physical experience happens, but what happens after a week or two? Three weeks, a month, two years. What did he say? Did that really happen? It fades. That's what's so powerful about the Word of God. It goes inside of us and becomes part of the fabric of our being. And it never fades if we're hearing. That's why I keep putting up the podcast. Keep listening to them. And someone asked me, because I've been talking about a facility, they said, are, are you in negotiations? I said, we're not, no, we don't have any, any agreement or anything for going into a facility. I just know in here it's coming. Amen. And I'm not interested in playing church. I'm not interested in, in trying to, to be somebody or have our name lifted up. I'm interested in the real manifesting in people's lives. It's going to take all of us to do this. All of us to recognize how this works. So this is not a one-man show. I'm not coming here so I can, uh, you know, preach and be in front of people. This is just how this works. To impart life into you so that we can build this body so that people can come to heaven, Mart, and be set free, and then we can take heaven into our everyday lives. Right? All right. Let's, one more, one more, uh, Acts chapter 5, then we'll close. Acts chapter 5. Maybe verse in 6, but we'll, we'll, we'll hit 5. Hallelujah. So because we understand God's system, the preaching of the word of God is top priority to us. I mean, I search the earth for this. If, if you take everything away from me, as long as I got a gift in my life that I can listen to, that can give me that revelation of Christ, I'm good. I know that's all I need to go all the way. Is the, the revel- See, God's word was never meant to be in a case, locked and gathering dust. The only way for God's word to become effective is for it to become alive in a human heart. That's why legalism is so devastating. It takes this written code and lifts it up on a shelf somewhere and keeps people from experiencing the life that it brings. So in Acts chapter 5, man, I'll tell you, read the book of Acts. It's so good. We're doing it in our one-a-day Bible plan, right? But imagine this, this New Testament church now is in the earth. This plan of salvation is in the earth. The ministry gifts are now in the earth. People are discovering them. They're really, oh, I'm, okay, I'm, a, I'm an apostle. Oh, I'm a, I'm a prophet. I'm an evangelist. I'm a pastor. I'm a teacher. And they're stepping into their roles. And the apostles are, are preaching the gospel. People are being healed and set free. And the legalistic bunch, the experts in the scriptures, are getting really mad. It's bad for their religious business. Yeah, Jesus is, is bad for the religious business. Because religion keeps people bound. Jesus sets them free. And so uh, they, in Acts chapter 5, they get arrested for, 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 for setting people free. But the angel of the Lord, let's go to verse 19, Acts 5, 19. But the angel of the Lord by night opens the prison doors. This is God real here. And uh, he opens the prison doors and brings them forth and says, look at this, go stand and speak Where? This is an angel sent from the Lord. 
Where does God want his word to be preached? In the temple. Doesn't mean you don't preach it anywhere else. But what's on God's mind? The temple. This system I've set up. I want people to know when they come into heaven, Mark, they're going to get to heaven. When they come to the temple, they're getting to heaven. Stand in the temple. This is God's direction. And I'm saying this, and I understand it because people are down on the church. I get that. I really do. Nevertheless, this is God's priority. Being here this morning is, is, is numero uno to God. It really is. And you have the, the responsibility as a pastor to teach people how God's system works. And it looks like you're trying to exalt yourself, but you're not. Someone's got to tell you this stuff. Because we got to do this. It's God's plan A. The church is so important. It's more important than our jobs. It really is. Because this is his system of salvation. So since I've been saved, I will, not only the church I was attending, where I would sow my finances into, but I'd look for ministries that were preachers weren't, and I'd sow money into them, right? I still do. I will for the rest of my days. I'm looking for that good Jesus preaching, and then I, I, oh, good, I'll sow into that. I'll sow into that. I'll sow into that. Because I know God's system. He says, go in the temple. Not, Not out on the street corner somewhere. I'm not against that. That's fine. But God's trying to, to, to get his system in the earth. And Satan comes against him, arrests him. He says, go back to the temple, right in the midst where all the religious experts are, to the people, uh, and speak to them all the words of this God reality. Verse 39. But if it be of God, so basically this is now that they're, they're, they're back on trial again. And uh, the, I believe it was the high priest of that year. Uh, God kind of speaks to this guy. And he's, they're saying, what should we do with these men? And he says, you better let them alone. Because if this is of God, you're going to be fighting against God. So if it be God, you cannot overthrow it, lest happily you be found even to fight against God. And to him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, <laughs> they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. They didn't mind if he was teaching Moses. Didn't want him to teach Jesus. There's no name like Jesus. I'm amazed today by the believers who get offended when you teach Jesus. Amazing. That they should not speak in the name of Jesus, and they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. We praise them when we're challenged. We praise him for the inconveniences of building his church in planet Earth. It is not easy. It isn't. It is challenging. I won't even go into the sacrifices I've made to be standing here this morning. But we rejoice in these things because we understand God's system. So, and daily, there we go. So they were counted worthy, verse 42. And daily where? They understood God's system daily and in every house. That's why we gather on Sundays. We have get-togethers during the week. They cease not to teach and preach the real, right? Now, last thing, we're done. We're in Acts, Acts chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. Why are we going into all this? Well, first of all, we, we need to understand the machine that we're operating, Right? You don't get onto a piece of machinery unless you understand it 
and know how to operate it. We're in the body of Christ. It's God's machine in the earth. You have a part in this local body. That's why the Lord brought you here. Now, in Acts chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, uh, they'll start in verse 3. The apostles are meeting. They say, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report. So what was their first criteria? Integrity. Not the gifts. Integrity. And I've seen over and over again in the body of people come in uh, to a new church and say, I've got this gift. Let me use it. <laughs> That's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for integrity first. I'm following the apostles' model. First thing they considered, Honesty integrity they have a good repu they have a reputation for living an honest life you see that first thing we look for that's the first thing i look for when i'm listening to a preacher what's their private life like not try i'm not i'm not criticizing them or condemning them i just realize this goes together i need a person of integrity that has the gift okay Wherefore, choose a seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. So they got to have integrity. they got to be full of the Holy Ghost, not argue that he doesn't, he's not here anymore, that those things don't happen anymore. <laughs> you wonder why so many churches are struggling. Honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, and whom he may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So what was happening here? The church was growing, and the, the priority of preaching the word, uh, they said, we can't deviate from this. This is God's method of salvation. But there are a lot of practical details that need to happen for us to do that. So we need people to be doing these practical things so we can be preaching the word of God so salvation can continue to grow. Why did I bring that up? Well, we come here. Uh, I mean, my, my, my minivan is as full as it can get. <laughs> but there's a lot to be done. We're not, we're not in Jerusalem. We're in 2018 now. So the, 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 what the church does, how we do it has changed. Okay? We're, we're in a karate studio now. Why am I bringing all this up? This doesn't just happen. Understanding the things I'm sharing with you, and the Lord spoke to my heart in 2012 and 2013 to start this in 2014, we stepped out on faith, and the Lord has blessed us tremendously, and we are doing well. Amen. This church is doing well. But we need help. Amen. We need physical help doing practical things. Someone has to put these chairs in place. So we come in here at 8.15, between 8.15 and 8.30, this place is all empty, okay? So you got this, the physical placing of the chairs that needs to happen before 10 o'clock, obviously. You've got the tables that need to be put in place, the, those wooden chairs. You've got these long tables, the tablecloths. All the food needs to Jennifer gets all the food. It needs to be set up. Coffee needs to be made. That welcome center, that's all kept in totes. So we, we've got five totes and a number of things we keep in this closet. All this equipment. And by the way, I like quality. So I believed God for quality equipment. Okay? Why? Because Jesus is real. I'm not going to get some chintzy thing that isn't going to give us the sound we need to glorify his name. Okay? I'm just being real with you. I, these are the practical things that happen so the preaching can take place. So there's a lot of skill and knowledge involved in putting this together. 
what, what cable goes where? But you got to know how to run it. So what I'm telling you, there's a lot going on, a lot that we do that we need help. And one of the primary things we need right now is, pe- is two people to show up at 815 to help us just move, physically move the stuff from that closet out to here. Because <laughs> uh, I will tell you this, I know several times because of the amount of work I've had to do because we haven't had the help, it's affected the message. And it's done so today. I know that. There, there are people who, who said we're going to be here. They just didn't show up. <laughs> or they don't call if they're not going to show up. They treat this like a, a hobby. There's nothing more important to God than his body in the earth and bringing salvation into his life. So I'm not trying to manipulate or, or shame anyone. I, I, I want you to see how this works in 2018, what we're doing right now. And this is just the beginning. Right. You saw the sound system that's inside of me. You know, we're talking some, some major stuff here. And the lighting and the video and all the things that we do in 2018 to promote the gospel. So I really want you to, to step up to the plate, recognize that you're, you're partaking of something that's very special. And there's a part for you, you know. And, and I, I, I don't, church, let me say this on the other side. Pastors will try and make church the most important, like you have to sacrifice your private life to, to give to the church, and that's wrong too. That's right. In other words, the first priority in your life is your relationship with Jesus. And then if you're married, it's your wife. And if you have to choose between that and church, there's no question. Okay, so your time with him, your time with your wife, if you have children, your family, that is a priority. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not right to, to try and manipulate people and get them to wear themselves out serving and sacrificing their personal time with their family and putting guilt trips on people as a, as a pastor. That's not right either. So remember that. I'm not talking about wearing you out. I'm just talking about a little help. That's what I'm talking about here, okay? It won't wear you out. But there's a sign-up sheet back there, okay? So the, the major need we, areas that we need help are the, just the moving the equipment out here so that we can start church on time and we can have the, do the sound check and all the things we need to do. And then uh, also hospitality, just getting that all set up. And then um, packing things up. Because right now, Danny is the guy who knows how all this stuff fits in the closet. And uh, we, need, we need two more guys, men or women, but who know how that happens. We've been invited, which is pretty exciting. We're going to the Southwest Believers Conference uh, in um, yes. August. Yeah, and it's pretty cool. Uh, Joey Roberts is ministering there, and he says, well, you, he, we just talked to him yesterday. This is brand new. He said, we like, why don't you guys do the worship with me for a session? So pretty cool. But, uh, but I'm saying that there are times, you know, I know the Lord is, has traveling in store for us, and, but this doesn't run on us. We need people to step up, take their place, so this thing can happen no matter who's here. Okay, so we need people, and the, the highest skilled things are the equipment, how to set this up and how to run it, and we can train you for that. So uh, step up to the plate. Let the Lord use you. There's no guilt trips here. Uh, we want you to have the, all the time you need in your private life. But s- see what the Lord speaks. I know he's speaking to people right now. And I know there's people here that, that are, are brought here to help us do this. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for their time this morning. You're so good, Lord. We thank you for bringing the real into planet Earth for taking us out of the fake and bringing us into the real.
real life, real redemption, real strength, real joy, real healing that goes all the way to the core of our being. Lord, help us to come together to do what you've called us to do in this region of the nation. Lord, that this work you've begun would flourish like never before. Lord, uh, speak to, the, to uh, each one of our hearts that we would do and, and take our place and, and do the things that we can do to help this vision grow and to help us move forward. We thank you already, Lord, for preparing a facility for us. We thank you already for taking us to the next level, for meeting us, uh, meeting every need according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for who you are manifest in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.